This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Was at the Helm, from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. The U.S. has declared monkeypox a public health emergency, with the number of positive cases doubling about every eight days since May. Monkeypox in this country and now new concerns from flight attendants, including these two, have come down with the virus. We're going to turn now to the monkeypox emergency and what it could mean for students back on campus. There are more than 11,000 cases in the U.S., including at least seven children, with some universities now reporting cases in or around their communities. There's rise in monkeypox cases. The CDC confirming the U.S. has surpassed 10,000 infections. Health officials are scrambling to contain the outbreak. Welcome to the Michael Savage podcast. Last week, we had a great expert that's been very popular. Dr. Wax talked about the realities of monkeypox, and you learn that not everyone is at equal risk. Everyone's hiding the fact that this has started in a very, very limited way in the male uh, and, I guess, bisexual community, and now it is spreading out from that community, so to speak. Well, this is such an important problem because they're making it into a bigger problem than it is, 
And so the media is now focusing on the so-called global emergency that is monkeypox. So I decided to bring in for you another expert to talk about the actual or real risks of this uh, disease, monkeypox, uh, and COVID, and vaccines, and who is really at risk. She's an expert. She's great. She's been on this uh, podcast before. It's Dr. Kelly Victory, MD, a board-certified trauma and emergency specialist. She's incredible. She has 15 years of clinical experience in all of these topics. You're not going to want to miss this right now on the Michael Savage podcast. I hope you enjoy it. The great Dr. Victory. Hey, what a pleasure. how are you? I've seen you on TV. I said, we got to get her back onto the podcast. Yes. Thrilled to be back. You're making the rounds. I see. I am. You know, it's in addition to everything else, I have spent, honestly, uh, seven days a week doing uh, media, uh, not because it's it certainly doesn't pay my mortgage. I, I haven't made a dime. Um, it, it's not about that. It's about trying to get this information out there. Um, the censorship is just overwhelming. On monkeypox, right? On everything. Well, everything. On everything. But, no, we're but, living but in monkey this. Po- oh, we're living than- in we're worse than the Soviet Union and its heyday. C- correct. I mean, th- this is this is insanity. I know. Uh, y- I don't yeah. know where it ends. Nobody knows where this madness ends. But we know this is like the guillotine during the French Revolution. First, it was the counter revolutionaries. Right. And then when all of them were killed and had their heads chopped off, they started to accuse each other of being less than revolutionary. And they started cutting each other's heads off. Same with Castro, same with Mao. It's exactly what's going on in America. And we're next. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with you. And, 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 you know, were it not for platform platforms like this one where I can actually get it out there, there's not a chance that people will actually hear the reality. Um, now, we're I'm talking thrilled. about monkeypox. And of yes. course, the, the, the Governor Newsom, God bless him, came out last week or two weeks ago and said, we're going to put out a health emergency in California, but we don't want to stigmatize any community now of course and, he meant and, he meant the 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 gay male community sure and but, and that's what i want to talk about is that you know truly and, and i don't want to leave this in the hallway but you know we we have got to disarticulate uh politics <laughs> and political correctness from medicine it has oh, no place uh, it um, certainly was not this disart- dissembled from covid which was a complete lie here's no, a head, no, here's a headline no i just put up monkeypox uk running low on vaccines after pride parade so if you read the article even in 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 censored england the united kingdom said that it's related to gay male sex and multiple sex partners even in the uk yeah, well, well, I'm, well, I'm about to just lay it all out there to, right now on your podcast uh, with the data. Uh, you know, this is truly, um, but this is it's very similar to what they did with Age. COVID. Um, with, with what I was going to say with COVID, which is acting as if we are all at equivalent risk. Well, that's um, what they did I'm with wondering. COVID, and right from the beginning, I said, "Wait that's a minute!" Right. Exactly. And I said, so I'll I said, talk about all that. I said, "Why don't you isolate?" the at-risk communities who are spreading it, COVID that is, which were largely intensely populated immigrant areas, number one, and homeless, number two, two sacred cow communities. And so they made the whole world suffer. But Dr. Victory, I have to read this. British government, monkeypox. The government also states that the vast majority of those with the disease are quoted. I'm quoting now, so I don't get attacked. This is the UK government, gay, comma, bisexual and other men who have sex with men, unquote, and that era and that quote, there is no robust evidence of sustained transmission outside some sexual networks. And it goes on. Officials in UK currently recommend that gay men who have multiple partners participate in group sex or attend sex on premises venues. What a clever way of calling it a bathhouse. Get vaccinated along with healthcare workers who care for those sick with the virus, as well as those who were confirmed to have had close contact with someone infected with the disease. So without stigmatizing the gay community, I think we have to tell people that it is emanating right now from the gay male community. Is that incorrect or correct? 
it's a hundred percent correct. And you, and you don't do anything to protect or help that community by whitewashing this, by acting as if it's something else. We have got to actually alert the people who are in the risk community. It's no different than anything else. But it was the uh, same you, with AIDS in the beginning in the early yeah. 80s. When we knew it was emanating from the gay bathhouses, I lived in San Francisco. Most of my friends were liberals from the coffee shops, the poets and then the writers. They ostracized me when I put up posters on on billboards and I said, close the bathhouses. That's how to stop it. I read it. I went I read about Edward Jenner and I understand epidemiology well enough to know if that's the locus of infection. Close down the pump. Well, they called me Hitler, Nazi, you name it. No, no, this is it, it is absolutely ridiculous. You isolate the few to protect the many. You don't isolate the many to protect. The well, few. unfortunately, is- Dr. Victory, you're not going to believe this. Maybe you saw it from Breitbart this morning. WHO seeks public health in quest to rename discriminatory and stigmatizing monkey pox virus. I'm sure you right. saw the article, right? Oh, absolutely. In the same way that they did this. Why do you think we can't call it, you know, the China virus or Wuhan virus? Uh, because that's somehow uh, politically incorrect, but it's OK to call it West Nile virus um, or Zika virus or Rocky Mountain spotted fever or 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 we have a long and storied history of naming viruses after either that region where it emanated <laughs> from first or it, with regard to the people it, it impacts. When I was this a kid, is- there was a thing called the Asian flu. No one thought right. nobody i went to chinese restaurants no one broke their windows yeah swine <laughs> flu swine flu is that discriminatory to pigs yes i don't think so yes and um, i hear that you know, there's a or, pig defense league kelly listen to the rest of this crazy article from who you talk about you talk about 1984 brave new world together who will work to identify best practices for naming new human diseases quote to avoid causing offense to any cultural social national regional professional or ethnic groups and minimize any negative impact on trade, travel, tourism or animal welfare. So they want to rename the disease um, keypox virus using Roman numerals instead of geographic areas to avoid adverse connotations around around the name. It, absolutely. I mean, this is you are taking political correctness, uh, you know, to the extreme. And all it does is end up harming people. Uh, and, and that's the problem. We will harm the gay well, we, and transgender community Dr. by doing Victory, this. We have other diseases that have not been changed because that's where they come from. Japanese right. encephalitis, right. Marburg virus, German measles, Spanish influenza, Middle Eastern respiratory syndrome. They've right. been used uh, for, for ages to name the geographic areas where they first arose or were identified. This is insanity. Exactly. Exactly. You know, Lyme disease has never been considered to be, you know, discriminatory towards, you know, Connecticut. Um, You know, we this is just silly. It's silliness, but it's dangerous. It's not just, um, uh, you know, insanity. It's dangerous. We are harming the communities that are actually at risk by acting as if they are not really in the crosshairs. We've got to let those folks know that they are the ones at risk and specifically what it is they are doing that is putting them at risk. Do you think they really care? Michael Savage, a host like no other. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... A real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is an outbreak that can be stopped. If countries communities and individuals inform themselves, take the risks seriously and take the steps needed to stop transmission and protect vulnerable groups. The best way to do that is to reduce the risk of exposure. That means making safe choices for yourself and others. This is the thing people don't understand is that there are people who have sexual compulsions really don't care about the facts related to the compulsion and disease. Generally, most of them are irresponsible sexually and in every other way. 
And the truth, and that's hetero as well, by the way, with other STDs, they're going to engage in this behavior no matter what the realities are. They're not rational. They're running strictly on uh, um, the id, so to speak, to use a Freudian term. Right. But, you know, I heard this morning from someone I know who happens to be a gay male, and he's also very smart. And he said it's only a matter of time until monkeypox jumps to the hetero population. And he said 40 percent of all cases in Africa are amongst women. What would you say to that? Well, part of the reason it's going to do that more quickly than it otherwise would is specifically because we are failing to identify the true at-risk population. Um, if you actually identify them and get them to curtail the behaviors that are causing it to spread, we wouldn't have that issue. If, 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 correct. if, if. Right. But but it will ultimately, just like AIDS did, you know, jump to the heterosexual community, primarily into uh, prostitutes and into women who were having sex with men men, who had had men with, you know, sex with other men. I mean, that's how it happens. It's a repeat of history. Right. The reality, though, is, Michael, is that, you know, I hate to tell people, but profiling is the mainstay of the practice of medicine. Oh, please. It's also the mainstay of police work, which has been thrown out the window. It is. You know, there's a reason I don't check my female patients, uh, you know, for prostate cancer. <laughs> I don't I don't run sickle cell panels on my white patients. Um, I don't look for Tay-Sachs in people who aren't of, you know, Eastern descent. There, As soon as somebody is, walks in my Tay-Sachs door. Ashkenazi Jewish largely? Yes, yes. Okay, but you say yes. East, wait, you say well, Eastern, Eastern European, European Jew, yeah, Jewish, Jewish, Jews, exactly. Why is I mean, Tay-Sachs, um, um, it's an interesting side note, but why is Tay-Sachs prevalent in the Eastern European Ashkenazi Jewish community? You know, it's just, it's a genetic, it's genetic, it's a genetic thing. And, and because those are largely insular communities, they tend to marry and, and have families uh, with other Ashkenazi Jews. And so it's a genetic issue. Um, you know, if, inbreeding. if those inbreeding, yeah, well, it's not, it, it's appropriate. It's not inbreeding. It's just that they stay to, to their own and they say, you know, they, they are insular and they marry within their own communities. Um, so well, it's look not what happened inbreeding. to Prince Charles as a, re- as a result. Yes, of inbreeding. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, had they outbred with some vulgar, uh, <laughs> vulgar people down in the slums of London, he'd be a different person. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, it's just this is, you know, within seconds of somebody walking into my office, you know, I my that wonderful thing that I call a brain says, you know, male, female, white, black, wow. tall, short, fat, thin. You know, I you go and you and you really distill down wow. what is the likely list of things that could be going on with this individual. If you remove the ability to oh. do that, to profile file i can't practice medicine you mean discriminate you're discriminating by using by using scientific analysis well you know science is white privilege is an example of white supremacy just Uh, using using logic and scientific reason it's a trick to oppress people of color you have to understand that yeah so crazy so look i know where this goes and i've been trying to say the same thing you're saying which is in another way in my own vulgar way uh, not as refined as yourself, but I tend to bring it down to the street, which is, excuse me, pilots, who the hell is going to fly our airplanes if you keep this up? You're going to put an idiot in the cockpit who can't even read the instrument panel? What is wrong with you? Right. Right. Yes. And they are doing it with medicine, Michael. They, the, the Every single medical school, all the medical organizations now have these manifestos that are about, you know, pr- you know, e- equality, equality right. amongst the races and that we need to. Um, I'm saying, you, you know, equity. I'm saying here's here's the reality. If you're a patient and, and you, you've got a gunshot wound to the chest, do you want somebody who got in on, you know, some uh, some equality, you know, affirmative action? Yeah. Or do you want somebody who actually, you know, passed muster and knew how to do it on, you know, actually could get the grades? They've they are really done. Oh, no. You want affirmative. You want an affirmative action trauma surgeon. Sure. Correct. Correct. Right. Who might be a person of color from Africa if he got the grades or she got the grades. Fine. But, you know, I always tell this story. When Fidel Castro was sick initially, he didn't use a doctor who graduated the University of Havana. He sent for a Jewish doctor from the University of Miami. It's a well-known story. And everyone laughs when I say it like, oh, you must be joking. I said, no, I'm not joking. He went for Dr. Goldberg from the University of Miami. He didn't use uh, Dr. Ramirez 
that that got in the, uh, the back door through the it, University of Communism. Yeah. No, no, no kidding. When Ted Kennedy had his uh, had his cancer, you know, believe me, he he didn't uh, go on his Obamacare special. He got on a jet and he flew to Duke University where he got, you know, the, the best care ever, you know, true. Uh, yeah. I know it's awful. You went through the hard way. What medical school did you go to? I went to the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. I went to undergrad. At That's a great school. A great school. I, I went to Duke undergrad um, wow. on, a, uh, you were smart. on a full ride four year academic scholarship. And wow. Um, what are you? What are you? A Phi Beta Kappa they, girl? And they, yes. And they re- you are. They, yes. And they recruited me for their medical school. Um, Duke did. Um, and wow. he and gave me and offered me a scholarship to medical school. But I am of the. um belief that you really need to change institutions, even if you end up going back. So I turned them down and they were furious. They said no one has ever turned. Well, why did you turn them down? Well, Duke University, I, number one, they are largely the medical school is way more research oriented than clinically oh. oriented. And I knew I wanted to be a clinician, not a researcher. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Masks are still effective, regardless of what the variant is. If you wear a good mask, an N95, a KN95, a mask that is well fitted, it will protect you from being infected. And if you are infected and asymptomatic, it would help in preventing you from spreading infection. So, Dr. Victory, we're talking about a disease that is highly preventable. If yes. the behavior is altered and it's highly preventable from spreading if the at-risk community could keep it in their pants, so to speak. That, that's correct. And it wouldn't and not not forever. That's what no. it comes down to. I, this is not this. This is the reality of people. You know, I again, I have to tell people sometimes the really hard, tough thing, which is this is what you do. There, this is there's no not a question, Michael, about how this is spread. We know. And for example, um, you know, one of the things I think is absolutely preposterous is the suggestion that we would go back to mask mandates because of monkeypox. I said, well, a mask could potentially protect you from monkeypox, depending on where you intend to put your face. Uh, oh, please. Uh, but no. assuming, this is a family podcast. Exactly. But assuming that you aren't, you know, th- th- this is not something that a mask or social distancing, you know, it, shutting down bars and restaurants is going to help. This is direct physical skin to skin contact. And if they refrained from that for three weeks, we would get rid of monk, the monkey. Well, why three weeks? Would get, why three weeks? Well, simply, simply because the, the incubation period is 14 days. So if you take it to the and say, if you stop having intimate contact for 21 days, we should largely, largely get out of uh, of this current outbreak. <laughs> well, this you know, that's new, you know, that's not going to happen. I understand, by the way, that this disease, um, one of the chief locuses of infection was were gay uh, bathhouses in the Canary Islands, which is a very large mecca for gay males, incidentally. Mm-hmm. And I understand it, it, it spread from there to Spain, et cetera. But it, it, it's actually originally seen in Africa, correct? Correct. We, we've known about m- monkeypox. We first identified it in the mid 1970s. There have been outbreaks in humans uh, noted since uh, the mid 1980s. Um, it, it is largely was in sub-Saharan Africa um, until the last couple of decades. And we've had intermittent outbreaks. And again, the only way to curtail these is by limiting the exposure to people who are in those high risk groups. Um, but this isn't a new virus. The great news is, is it's not a deadly virus. It has nothing to do. It's not like things like uh, COVID. It isn't spread, you know, through a respiratory transmission. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but in the great news is, is it's it's really self-limiting in most people. Um, like smallpox, it can be disfiguring, but it has nowhere near the type of lethality that smallpox had, despite the fact that it's in the same family of viruses. And it's not respiratory, so it doesn't it's no. not spread by a cough or a sneeze. Correct. We saw a story last week of a, a gay male couple, one of whom was HIV positive and living with the other man. And they had a beautiful greyhound dog in the family. And the dog contracted the virus, probably from sleeping in the bed. So that leads us to the question of casual transmission. 
if if someone goes to a hotel where an infected individual sheds some virus and the sheets are not properly clean, is there a risk of spreading monkeypox? Yes, there there is a theoretical risk of spreading it that way, Michael, in the same way, by the way, that you could contract theoretically herpes or other viruses that are spread by direct contact. The reality, however, is that these viruses don't last for a particularly long time, particularly on things like fabrics ah. um, as opposed to on hard surfaces. Oh. So, you know, the same risk you would have of contracting herpes um, if oh. you went and, you know, I well, suppose- if I go to a bar and they give me a beer, I say they want a glass. No, give me the bottle if you don't mind. Yeah. It, right. So, yeah. Yes. And so, so the reality is it can be spread that way, but it's not um, so transmissible that people are likely to pick it up in the same way. You know, many people would like you to believe they got their herpes from the doorknob or the, uh, <laughs> you know, or the handset of the telephone. That's really <laughs> not the case. Um, the, the children, the two children who were reported young infants in this country to have monkeypox, uh, you know, the, the mainstream media fails to tell you they were infants of gay men. So undoubtedly, these men contracted monkeypox, had the virus, and then they're doing things like changing a diaper uh, or something like yeah. that. And, and you can transmit it to a child in the same way that you can transmit herpes. You know, women who have herpes when they are pregnant, if they are deemed to have an active outbreak of genital herpes, they are generally delivered by cesarean section mm. specifically to keep that infant from being exposed to the virus during delivery. Mm. Um, this is simply the reality of these types of viruses that are spread by direct skin to skin contact. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. On Saturday, I declared the public health emergency of international concern over the global monkeypox outbreak. More than 18,000 cases of monkeypox have now been reported on to WHO from 78 countries, with more than 70% of cases reported from the European region and 25% from the region of the Americas. Here's a loaded question for you, because I can pretty much know what you're going to say. They're pushing for a new vaccine for monkeypox. The very same gangsters that pushed the COVID vaccine are now pushing a monkeypox vaccine. Do you think they're going to try and make it mandatory for everyone? Oh, I certainly hope not. That would be absolute insanity again, uh, because not everyone is at risk from this at all. Um, that's the reality. Furthermore, these vaccines, again, kind of similar to what we're doing with COVID, have not been adequately tested. They are being used mm -hmm. under an emergency use authorization, and there are significant adverse events oh. associated oh, with boy. these vaccines. So I would certainly hope that that's not the way to go. Um, we know, again, we know the at-risk population, uh, and the reality is we do our best work when we acknowledge who the risk groups are, acknowledge that everyone is not at equivalent risk. In mm. fact, you know, right now, heterosexual uh, people and certainly heterosexual women, people who aren't sexually active, people who aren't involved in or having contact uh, intimate contact with people who may have been in the uh, gay male community really have a risk that is so de minimis as to be indistinguishable from zero. Um, so the idea that so my mother was right, my poor mother, may she rest in peace. She used to say sex is dirty. She was she was 100 percent correct. Yeah. Of course, yeah, when I got yeah. older, I wanted to say to her, that's the only good sex is a sex story. But I didn't say that to her. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, she, she was a different world, but she she lived to 88. I got to tell you this funny story. I was still on the radio. It was going back into the early 90s when the Clinton scandal was emerging. So I got her on the phone from her uh, rest home in Boca Raton and uh, uh, something to do with the, the Clinton scandal came up. And then I said to her this, I said to her that I said, Ma, what is what do you ascribe your longevity to? She was 87 at the time. So she was not an educated woman, but very fast. And she said she set me up. I said, Ma, what do you ascribe your longevity to? She said, in my case, I said, yeah, your case. Pause, pause, pause. She says no sex. So everyone remembers <laughs> that and laughs hysterically because she set me up like she was thinking. But in fact, she was just giving me a Jack Benny pause before she hit me with the punchline. What do you think is the secret to longevity? 
What, what's the secret? Yeah. No sex. <laughs> <laughs> no sex. Well, that, that in San Francisco is a sin, what you just said, because these people believe that the more is be- more sex you have is better. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, it's you a know, funny it, story. It is, you know, but but in, in all honesty, to really talk about <laughs> the actual data as we know them today with regard to monkeypox, right now there's somewhere in the range of, I don't know, 8,000 cases of monkeypox that have been identified in the United States. 95% of the people identify as male. 87% of them identify as homosexual or transsexual. And 12% chose not to answer that question. So you do your own math. 41% of people who have monkeypox in the United States are also HIV positive. What percent? 41%. Of those who have monkeypox? Are also HIV positive. uh, They have suppressed immune systems to begin with. Correct. So the reality is none of these statements make me homophobic or transphobic or anything phobic. So you they say. make me pro they make me pro data so and you pro say. safety. You're trying to be a scientist and a medical healer in an age of insanity, Dr. Victory. I wish you great luck. Listen to this. <laughs> you ready for this one? I'm sure you know that you know it already. Um, the WHO declared the sudden surge of outbreaks of the disease across the Western world, a global public health emergency late last month, a move that will greatly benefit Chinese manufacturers who are due to make a killing from test kits for the disease. Two firms, Shanghai-based Life River and the Taizu-based Jiangsu Bioperfectus Technologies are reported to have received significant numbers of orders for monkeypox test kits mere hours after the WHO declaration. You know, and, and truly, this is what we did with COVID. We made billionaires out of people, most of them, interestingly, from China. Where do you think that all of the masks were coming from? The syringes, the gloves, the plexiglass, half the stuff that more than half the stuff that we mandated for COVID came from China. And we made billionaires out of these people, the test kits. And we are doing the same now with monkeypox. Mm-hmm. Um, a- again, we really really need to stop sounding the alarm. But the, the terrifying thing to me about all of this, ultimately, um, Dr. Savage, is that people have tuned out public health. You know, when we sound the alarm bell next, they because don't there will be a next, nobody's going to listen no. because they're saying, you idiots have been wrong from the very beginning. I am not listening to you when you sound, you know, the sky is falling again, chicken little. Uh, people have tuned out public health. And that's a very, very dangerous place for Dr. us to Fauci be. Dr. Fauci did it. He just wouldn't stop lying. Absolutely. And we all know that he, he was the one who pushed AZT in the early days of the AIDS epidemic. I remember I railed against him in 1982, 83, 84. I knew he should have said, hey, alter your behavior. Let's not peddle a new a new antiviral. So here we are. I'm going to read you something. Um, someone wrote this um, that we should treat our sexual appetite just as we treat all our, our other natural appetites. He said uh, all other appetites had to have limitations. Overeating leads to obesity. Overindulging in drink results in alcoholism and ruin health. But they believe people should enjoy sex without limitation, according to the new ethos of our times. And then the man writes in the LGBT agenda, we have perhaps the ultimate expression of the unfettered appetite. And we now have two diseases as a result and lives wasted in sexual gluttony with the emotional and spiritual damage which it brings. No comment. Well, I I agree with that. Again, not because I am, you know, anything phobic, but because when you're talking about the ability to transmit disease, there are just so many people you should be swapping bodily fluids with on a regular basis. Um, I know that in Palm Springs, California, for example, they have some of these festivals or I don't know exactly how they're called, where people come in from all over the world. Uh, It's largely the gay community. Um, and they come in from all over. And it was estimated that the number of different sexual partners that someone will have during one of these weekends is between five and 18. So then wait, the, per, per what? 
per week? Per weekend, per this long weekend. So if five you, and eighteen, yeah, somewhere between Boy, five I'm and eighteen. I'm missing, I'm missing out on all the. Fu- <laughs> I'm missing out on all the fun. You're missing out on all the exposures. Um, <laughs> which, which, so, so again, it has nothing to do with being, uh, you know, a prude or or somehow otherwise um, against people having sexual freedom. It's about the responsibility that comes along with that, uh, and there's no question that there are health risks uh, to having that type of intimate exposure to multiple partners. Mm-hmm. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Because you go into a situation where many people are not wearing masks is not a reason for you not to wear a mask because you can still protect yourself very well with a properly fitted, adequate mask. Well, again, we both are on the same page. I have declared for years I'm a sexual libertarian, which means, you know, do what you want. Just leave me out of it. And leave the children alone. Mm-hmm. I've said that for, for many years because I got cauterized very early on for being what I'm not. They call me a homophobe. I really don't care what people do sexually. It's really their business. However, when it becomes a public health issue and it is emanating from a particular community, whether it be hetero or homosexual or trans, I think it's important as a public health worker or a doctor or an epidemiologist to sound the alarm bell and say, hey, slow down a bit, because not only are you putting yourself at risk, but you're putting the whole community at risk. That is the job of a public health uh, professional, is it not? Absolutely. And so here, so once again, public health and to get back to bring Fauci back into it, you know, it is the mandate of public health to consider the the implications or the ramifications of any particular mitigation scheme on the entire community, not just a singular community. So when you start painting with a broad brush and acting as if everyone is equivalent risk, you harm those communities that are not actually at risk, that are subjected to the mandates, whether it's masking or social distancing or vaccine mandates or isolation, whatever it is. You harm the people who weren't at risk and you also harm the people who were at risk by not throwing and having available all of your resources to focus on that community. We should be throwing everything we can at the true at-risk community for monkeypox, mm. which, as we've said in you know over and over, is largely the homosexual and transsexual transgender community, those people who are having sex, um, primarily men having sex with other men, educating them, mm. giving them the resources. If you instead act like the married housewife, you know, living in suburbia with two kids um, who isn't having sex with anyone, let alone her husband, mm-hmm. is 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 somehow at risk for monkeypox, you're doing a disservice to everyone. And that's what they did with COVID. Furthermore, you need to be a good communicator. A huge role in public health is being able to communicate, being able to bring and break down the scientific Mm. data into digestible bites that the average person who isn't educated in Mm. science or medicine can understand. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, the whole lot of them did an abysmal job of that. They instead acted as if they're the smart ones in the room and they'll just tell you what to do without explaining why you should do it and giving any credible explanation for why there's a hope that these mandates would work. And they've lost the public trust. When we lose trust in public health, We're in a world of hurt because, as I said, there will be a next crisis. Mm. I promise you. I can't tell you what it will be, but there will be one. Mm. And right now, the average American has tuned out the public health officials. So what's going to happen when you have governors saying it's a public health emergency and we don't want to stigmatize the community? What's going to happen next? Well, unfortunately, unless, you know, we're not for platforms like this one, where I and others can get hush, out hush. the actual, uh, you know, the, hush, the, hush. the, the don't tell anyone. The, yeah, the reality, uh, because censorship is so egregious right now, and it's so hard when you turn on the mainstream media, the average individual, unfortunately, believes that they may be at risk. I had a mother, I, I had a woman who actually works at the local dry cleaners who told me that her teenage son came home from football practice and told his mother he wasn't supposed to hug her because the football coach told him that's how you spread monkeypox. Oh, Jesus. 
And she told me the story and I thought, this is the problem. So unfortunately, when you have, you know, governors, whether it's a Gavin Newsom or anybody else standing at the podium talking about how they're so great because they're going to put funds aside and resources aside for this, quote, public health emergency, monkeypox is not a public health emergency. It's a very specific concern to a very specific community, and we should rally around and protect that community by giving them the resources and, importantly, the education to know what behaviors it is that they are engaging in. You want to protect them from themselves, and they're going to say, no, no thanks, doctor, I'm not interested. Now, there's a report of the polio virus being detected in London sewer water and now New York. Obviously, this polio is coming from immigrants and epidemics, which I try to warn about 40 years ago. Open borders. We all know that. Um, What is happening? Why is polio being detected in, in America right now when it was roundly eliminated? It, it was roundly eliminated. And unfortunately, this isn't the first of it, uh, Dr. Savage. We've had other outbreaks uh, over the past decades, largely because of vaccine hesitancy or vaccine failure, ah. particularly in the Pacific Northwest, places like Marin County that have childhood vaccination rates that are quite low. We have seen resurgences over the years of polio. Wait, and again, wait, wait, you got my attention. I live in Marin County part time. Yeah, Marin been a County resurgence is, of polio in Marin. Yes, over the years we had we had several cases. Uh, you know, a few years ago, again related to the fact that vac- childhood vaccination rates are quite low there because of vaccine hesitancy. And again, it's very uh, funny okay, because during- yeah, yeah. Well, that's the original population. One of the emer- emerged populations of when I moved here were health food oriented, natural, right. naturopathic, right. vitamins. Uh, watch out for big government. They've all become left wing fanatics now. Yes. And so the people who do is very funny during the covid um, pandemic who have labeled me an anti-vaxxer know not of what they speak. I, I have spent much of my career in public health uh, speaking and writing prolifically <laughs> about the importance of vaccination. We had largely eradicated um, polio from the circulation, but if we're not for these vaccine hesitancies. So the number one risk is failure to vaccinate your children, um, you know, well, part of polio, the problem. We're talking about polio. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. For for polio and chicken pox, measles, mumps, those things. You rightly point out that much of the immigrant population has not received these types of childhood vaccinations. Mm -hmm. So I promise we won't just see a resurgence of polio. We will see measles outbreaks and chicken pox outbreaks and other kinds of uh, outbreaks for things that kids would normally be vaccinated uh, against. so I think that truly that that's the biggest issue. Um, and then, you know, now we have uh, people, I, unfortunately, I think because of this COVID debacle, and that's exactly what it is, and the harms that were done by the COVID vaccines, uh, I think we will have significantly increased vaccine hesitancy going forward. And I fear that people will be hesitant to, to vaccinate their kids. Unfortunately, you know, these people, for example, up where you are in Marin County, the, you know, kind of what we used to call the hippy dippy region that uh, decided they shouldn't, you know, shouldn't, um, you know, eat processed foods or vaccinate their kids is that they are too young to remember that we had a sitting president in the United States, you know, wheelchair bound from polio. Um, you know, if people forget their their history. Uh, I am of an age that I actually uh, am not so so uh, far beyond that, that I remember that we had a president who was wheelchair bound from from polio and and, uh, people oh, it's a terrible disease. Uh, it's an awful disease. When I was and a so, child, it was rampant, and we saw kids in iron lungs. It scared the hell out yes, of us. Yes. I used to lay awake yeah. at night when I was a little boy and imagine what it'd be like to lay in a machine with a machine breathing for me. Right. I couldn't believe right. that someone had to live like that. And yes. so we were terrified, and we were told to avoid swimming pools, uh, you know, public swimming pools. It was such a panic. It was a panic raging through America at the time. No one knew how polio was spread. Right. And the uh, the other problem that's exacerbating this uh, polio and the potential resurgence was the change from the inactivated virus uh, vaccines, which need to be given by injection and the move to the oral polio vaccine, uh, which is cheaper to make, easier to give, uh, more convenient, whatever. The problem is it, it uses um 
an attenuated vaccine rather than a killed virus. And there's risk of people contracting uh, polio from it. So I think there it's multifaceted, but the biggest issue is vaccine hesitancy and the failure of people in the United States to get their kids vaccinated for polio mm. on top of the huge immigration problem that we have with people coming into this country uh, who have no vaccine. We don't even know what their vaccination status so is. If I frankly. follow you correctly, you're in favor of preventive polio vaccination, correct? 100 percent. But you're not in favor of the covid vaccinations, 100 percent. I am 100 percent against them. Yes. Wait, there is wait, wait. A re- That's important. You're against the covid vaccination. I'm now, against covid vaccination. And I know That's I know correct. your position because we've talked about it before, but I, I must read you something. I just received this from a verified scientist who wants to remain anonymous. They sent it to my website and she said, I have a Ph.D. in cell and molecular biology and quit my tenure track faculty position at a large academic health system due to their nonsensical pandemic response policies. And she says her judgment lies at the intersection of her scientific training and her convictions as a Roman Catholic. Listen to this. She says my research work included proteomic 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 studies. I don't like to think it's correctly spelled. Let's say studies of pathogenic bacteria with an eye towards identification of proteins important in host pathogen interactions and targets. After researching paramedical and scientific literature about the biological activity of the spike protein, itself a potent virulence factor, I knew I would not submit to inoculation. So she submits an extensive and annotated packet of material for doctors. Two wouldn't look at it. The third was skeptical uh, and called her the next day, thanked her. And he signed uh, her medical exemption form due to her numerous autoimmune disorders and low WBC and platelet counts. He saved her life. But she was then subjected to being tested two times a week. And she got so fed up and she couldn't take the uh, politically charged, hateful left wing anti-American messaging in the university. So she finally quit the university after a lifetime of dedication. And so we are not alone in seeing what's going on. They're driving the best and brightest out of academia in order to replace them with the worst and dumbest. Where this ends is anyone's guess, but I know how it ends because I've studied communist China, Mao Mao China in particular. What they did was they took peasants from the laundry, women peasants who had no education, and they put them in a surgical ward and they said, comrade, you are now a surgeon. And they took the (sighs) surgeons out of the surgeries and put them in the laundry and said, Comrade, you're now going to work in the laundry to be reeducated. It sounds crazy, doesn't it? This is what is going on in America right now under our senile Mussolini. Well, this is it's awful. And right now, you say last week, Thursday, this past week, the CDC came out with their updated, quote, guidelines. They now have decided August 2022 with regard to covid. They are no longer differentiating between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. I see they're applying the same guidelines. They're going to focus on individual choice. In other words, individuals being able to decide. Why is that? Because it's an election year? No, it's because it, and they actually the interesting thing is based on the 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 supporting document that that backs up these new that summarizes and backs up these new guidelines essentially acknowledges what you know we've known all along, which is that the vaccines do not stop you from contracting COVID. They don't stop you from transmitting it in their own words. They provide minimal protection and including oh. they even say that the boosters provide transient but only oh, minimal protection so now you have tens of millions of people who lost their jobs were kicked out of the military couldn't finish oh their God. educations because they chose not to take one of these vaccines and now the cdc is coming out and saying oh turns out they don't actually work anyway Then you take the tens of millions of people who have been harmed by the vaccines. Those folks tragically likely do not have any recourse because of the blanket liability protection that was given to the vaccine manufacturers as part of the emergency use authorization. But what you have all some total is a lot of reason for tens of millions, hundreds of millions of Americans to be really, really angry because they were Mm. duped. They were duped. And this, again, isn't because I'm anti-vaccine. There's a reason the average vaccine takes six to eight years 
to come to market if it mm-hmm. ever comes to market at all. There's m- intensive uh, studies that need to be run. Those That vaccine was never tested on pregnant women, lactating women, people with autoimmune diseases, people on certain classes of medications, those who had already had and recovered from COVID were specifically eliminated from the vaccine testing. So we have never in the history of medicine used mm-hmm. a treatment or a therapeutic mm-hmm. or a vaccine on groups of people on whom it had never been tested until COVID-19. Thank you, Dr. Fauci. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. We never know what we're going to see with COVID. I mean, history has taught us that. We are at the peak now of a BA5, which is the dominant isolate in our society and actually throughout the world. Will that be dominant when we get to the fall? Likely, it still will be a challenge. You know, I could call this podcast Dr. Kelly Victory on monkeypox, COVID vaccines, and who is at risk. That's a more generalized way of to put this, but that's what this has become. It's not solely about monkeypox, is it? It's also about COVID and about vaccines and who is at risk. Absolutely. And now we're finding out that you remember in the in the mid phase of this COVID epidemic, they were actually putting out the big lie. I think it was Biden at his level saying this is a disease of the unvaccinated. <laughs> right. You remember those days? We were like lepers. We, I, I felt like a leper, by the way. Absolutely. Right. They liable to come to my door and put a mark on my door, the mark of the beast. A- absolutely. So, you know, Dr. Victory, I have a neighborhood community I rarely go to. But once a year, they have a, a, a party in this little community and they put out a notice that you basically, if you're not vaccinated, don't come. I have been estranged from my entire family. I have a big family and and, uh, they are all vaccinated. All of my young nieces and nephews are vaccinated. All of them boosted. Uh, Most of them have had COVID over and over and over again. Um, Ah. I, you know, am the only one unvaccinated, had COVID once, one and done early on, uh, first year of the pandemic. Um, And it's been very, very divisive. It's fractionated not only my family, but many families, uh, people have lost friends over this, not only lost jobs and years of their education, but people have lost friends and family to the divisiveness of this. This was never a, quote, pandemic of the unvaccinated. And people like the woman you were just reading uh, about this, uh, this academician, uh, you know, she was essentially penalized uh, by having to subject herself to twice weekly testing when we know and the vaccine manufacturers themselves acknowledge the vaccines don't prevent you from contracting covid or from spreading it. So the idea that you would discriminate between the vaccinated Mm -hmm. and the unvaccinated by forcing one group, for example, to wear a mask or to be subjected to testing is nothing other than pure, unadulterated discrimination. It's punitive. It's meant to shame somebody from having made an individual decision based on their own health risks. And that is unconscionable. This has never happened in my entire 30 plus years as a physician. Yes, unvaccinated people were ostracized, demoralized and marginalized. The exact opposite of what liberalism uh, right. pretends to stand for. And you combine that with the um, left wing anti-American uh, uh, ethos of America today under our senile Mussolini. And we now have a new emerging disease called monkeypox being again uh, lied about. Again, vaccine being created again. People worried about their neighbor and uh, apparently There's no end to this, and it keeps going around and around and around. Final words from Dr. Kelly Victory, MD, on monkeypox and vaccines. What I would tell you again is that fear is an incredibly powerful intoxicant, and they are using this once again uh, to instill fear in people, to make people, again, suspicious, as you said, of their neighbors, fearful to go out. And that fear makes people very malleable. They are waiting with bated breath for the next guidance, quote unquote, from their public health officials, from their elected officials to tell me, where can I go to be safe? What should I do? Oh, tell me, you know, wise one. And 
I promise you, they will parlay this into some reason why it's not safe to go to the polls in person in November, why you oh, must God. stay home and do your mail in ballot. Oh, uh, because you can get monkey. Exactly. Because otherwise you'll put yourself and grandma at oh, risk. My God. Um, this is all about fear. Uh, oh, this is awful. about manipulating people's behavior, getting them to give up their civil liberties. Uh, and oh, once God. they're given up, they will never be regained. So people need to be educated. I have never, ever, uh, you know, uh, whitewashed something or downplayed the importance or the risk of any particular illness or disease. But it is only by actually being educated about your true risk and understanding, you know, where you fall on that spectrum that you can modify your own behaviors and do the things you need to do to keep yourself, your family and your community safe. Unbelievable. Dr. Kelly Victory, where do you practice medicine? I see patients um, down in Denver, but not not on a daily or, or even weekly basis any longer. Um, I practiced um, hospital-based emergency medicine and trauma for many, many, many years. And then I transitioned more to a public health role and oversaw the medical care, on-site medical care for a number of Fortune 100 companies for years, uh, and then have spent much of my last two decades of my career teaching, speaking, I teach an active shooter response uh, course and have a specialty oh. in the medical management of mass casualty and spend a lot of time working on big disasters, including pandemics, incidentally. Uh, so my my career right now is largely not clinically based, although I mm. see patients on a regular basis uh, down in Denver. In Denver. But what are people listening saying? I love her. I want to see her. Could they see you? I no, I do not have. I don't okay. accept you pay. because they're going to ask me, and I don't no. know what to say. Do you have no, a book? I, I, that, do you have a book I can tell them to buy? No, I, I have a website, earlycovidcare.org. That is go. not just mine. It's uh, earlycovidcare.org, along with some other stellar uh, physicians and warriors, including people like Dr. Peter McCullough, McCullough. and Harvey Reich and Paul Alexander, some some great, great physicians and uh, medical experts there. Uh, people can find me on Getter at uh, Kelly Victory MD. I've been permanently banned from every other social media You've been platform. Banned from Twitter? Oh, yes. Oh, back. Yes, I was banned from Twitter back in January of this past year um, oh. for posting the uh, sworn testimony of three military physicians oh, who my God. Uh, spoke about the incidents, increased incidents of certain medical conditions. Oh, my God. We're seeing, and they testified oh, in awful. front of Congress, and, and that was deemed to be misinformation. So think about that. Uh, I chose uh, not to not to contest it. Uh, I decided I, I'm not interested in participating in a propaganda platform. Oh, it's um, awful. It, it just isn't worth it. Uh, so I appreciate, so appreciate opportunities like this one to really talk. And as I. But I saw you on Newsmax last week. Oh, I'm on Newsmax very, very frequently. And they and are the great, best. I said, there's great, Dr. Uh, Victory. I called the producer. I said, get her on the podcast. <laughs> so here's the madness of our times summarized in one image. I'm a boater. So about 10 days ago, I was in Sausalito coming out of a dock. And I had to wait for three or four kayakers to go by. The last kayaker was a young lady, probably late teens, early 20s, wearing a mask. <laughs> I said, how utterly sad that this girl is so traumatized with fear. She's out on the water on a beautiful morning and she's afraid uh, she's going to catch COVID from a seal. It is you know, I mean, like madness. You know, truly, if you, these masks social distancing, all of this has become like swaddling for a certain portion of the population. If you take an infant, a newborn baby, and you wrap it up very tightly in swaddling, it loses control of its own arms and legs. It feels a safety. It feels That's a safety and a security. Yes, it feels, despite the fact that it has lost all autonomy, it feels a security in that cocoon, in that it, chrysalis. I know, I remember. And, I couldn't move my arms for and, years. And, my mother used to put me in a snowsuit in the Bronx that was so tight <laughs> that I looked like a snowman. I couldn't move my arms or legs. So if I fell over, I'd fall in the snow and lay there till someone picked me up. I'm from Cleveland. We had the same childhood. <laughs> so, so, there's a lot but, of but, funny stuff that went on. But it's it's tragic, truly. I'm 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 laughing about it, but it's tragic because I travel on a weekly basis uh, through major airports, and largely the people I see still wearing the masks or the gloves or the face shields 
are young people, young, oh, yes. healthy people yes. with their little toddlers in in uh, you know strollers. Those are the ones still who have bought into this, and it's really sad because we have an entire generation of people who believe number one that masks do anything to stop the spread of a respiratory virus, or that they are at a risk that would deem them necessary. Well, even we have to talk about it for one minute. I know we we ended three times now, but here's a question masks i generally don't wear them but there are times if i go in a large air a public area i will put one on and it's to prevent someone else from spraying me with their sneeze or their cough now i understand that masks maybe wrongly were used in the 14th century in mongolia to stop the spread of a respiratory illness i think it was the they thought the plague maybe it was pure hysteria but are you saying that masks don't work under any condition to stop the spread of respiratory illnesses I'm saying that they are largely ineffective. They, they may have a 5% uh, decrease. That's it. Uh, that, that's it. Um, the only reasons that I, as a surgeon or any uh, physician, wears a mask, a twofold. Number one, it's to keep me from inadvertently spitting or coughing, No, but into an open wound. Oh, just God. into the wound, just to do a sterile field, <sighs> keep me from spitting or coughing by accident into a, 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 a wound and to keep me as a physician from being sprayed in the face with blood or other <sighs> bodily fluids. That's it. It sure as heck isn't to stop me from spreading my cold or my you know strep throat or my whatever to the patient or to keep me from contracting some respiratory born thing that that the patient but has. I avoid people like the plague. I mean, I go out to restaurants three, four times a week. Okay, so that's a risk factor. Uh, people shake. No, I do the elbow tap. I still will not shake a hand. I like the old Chinese method of shaking your own hand. That was very smart. Mm -hmm. hey, I don't like touching people to begin with. Uh, that That's a psychological problem, uh, by the way. It's not. No, but truthfully, uh, touching people that you don't know, strangers, is not a good idea. Even in an age of no COVID, you don't know where the hand was five minutes before that. It's a rather, right. it's a rather uh, primitive form of communicating with someone. And then a lot of men like to try and control women with a handshake by squeezing their hand mm -hmm. or control men who are not as large or as powerful by squeezing their hand and almost crushing it. Mm -hmm. So by giving up your hand, you're giving up power to a person who's stronger than you are. So it, it, forget the medical, <laughs> you're talking about the psychological uh, right. aspects of handshaking. Well, if talk about that, you go back to the psychological aspects of masking. There's no quicker way to dehumanize somebody than to oh. force them to wear a mask. The damage that we have done to children, Terrible. particularly young How are they children, ever date anybody. Well, first of all, they, they don't learn to speak. Children, toddlers, young children learn oh to God. speak largely by by actually mimicking mouth movements, not by what right, they hear. Right. It's mostly by mimicking mouth movements. Mama, we, and there's a Dad. reason why children's verbal huh. skills have Isn't been profoundly something? delayed. And surreptitiously and quietly, uh, early in the pandemic, the CDC changed the milestones for children. Learned. Used to be they something? needed to know 50 words you know, by, by 24 months. All of a sudden, the CDC changed it to they need to know 30 words by 30 months. All of a sudden, that's a milestone that's been set in stone for decades and decades. But they changed the milestone rather than acknowledge this masking has had a profound negative impact on the ability of young children to learn. To I'm speak. laughing at the insanity of it all. It gets crazier by the day. 20 yes, years ago does. on radio, I did a song, a parody called I Know 50 Words of English and I'm Worth 50 Mil. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, a, it was it was a parody putting down rap artists because I de I despise illiteracy. So I did the thing I did. I know 50 words of English and I'm worth 50 mil. Everyone loved that song. I speak 50 words of English. And I got 10 mil in the bank. I speak 50 words of English. And I got 10 mil in the bank, Jank. You speak 100,000 words of English. And you ain't worth jack, because you ain't got no crack. I speak 50 words of English, and I'm worth 10 mil in the bank, jank. You speak 100,000 words of English, and you ain't worth jack, crack. But it's true, unfortunately, the Kardashianization of the world, uh, yes. unfortunately, has spread to, to virtually every aspect of our society. I keep saying last words, so I'll give it to you, and I will shut up.
Last words from Dr. Kelly Victory. I would hope that people would get back to life as usual. Not a new normal. The old normal was just fine. COVID is here to stay. It's endemic. Uh, the good news is the, the variants that are out there have very, very mild symptoms. Monkeypox, number one, is not a deadly virus with very rare exception. And most people are not at significant risk. The people who are at risk is largely the gay and homose- the homosexual community, people having multiple sexual partners in that community. Uh, and those are the folks who can curtail their behavior for a short period and bring this to an end. We have got to stop rising, raising the alarm bell to everything. If you are desperate, just desperate to be fearful of something, might I suggest uh, drug-resistant tuberculosis? Uh, you know, do some reading on that. There are things to be afraid of in this world. Monkeypox and COVID are not not two of them. We need to get back on track. This insanity has got to stop and we have to regain public trust in public health uh, going forward. Back to victory. I have to have you back on a regular basis. You're very healing. Anytime. We'd love to join you. The way you articulate words and use them in a rather rapid fire manner is something I really miss. You speak not only in a great, very articulate manner, but the rapidity of which you fire is a pleasure living in Marin County where people tend to speak in a very slow uh, and deliberate manner for fear. Oh, I don't know. They may say something that's embarrassing to someone. <laughs> I grew up in a big Irish Catholic family. You have to talk fast and eat fast. <laughs> well, thank you again. A pleasure. Thank you. Bye now. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.